Welcome to Get Well, the City of Yuma's Employee Wellness Podcast, where we discuss health and wellness topics relevant to you. I'm your ambassador host, Kara Smothers, and I'm here with health coach Stephanie. Hi. And ambassador Rob Duffy. Good morning. Our guest host today is Andrea Curlis, Associate Director at the Wellness Council of Arizona. Hey, good morning, everyone. going to talk about work-life balance, tips to help maintain a better balance, and of course we'll end with our Ask the Health Coach question. So what is work-life balance even? What What does that mean? It seems like such an abstract concept. Wait, wait. Before we get the professional opinion or definition, Karen and I, what are our novice definitions? I would say it's it's striking a balance between your work life and your home life and and maybe trying to avoid too much spillover. That that's is a good. great way yeah, to look at really it. Yeah, that's really good. What oh, about you, wow. Rob? Uh, yeah, just not letting uh, the two, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, the two uh, balance each other out. Is that, is that right? No? I like I like the way you're thinking about it because both of you are looking at balance. Like if you look at a teeter-totter, can you get it to sit even? So the biggest thing is where your priorities are, knowing where they are, where you are, and then from there making a plan so that you don't have one that creates stress in another portion of your day. So what about the people that aren't good at daily planning? They just go minute by minute. That if you know where you are and know what your goals are, where you are, that can still be a wonderful way to maintain a work-life balance because you know when you're at work, okay, this is a focus on work. When you leave work, your ability to change your thought process. So now you're focused on either if you're going to the gym, you're focused on the gym. If you're going to your family, you focus on your family. So it can be a minute to minute plan, but I think it is being present in where you are. And what I'm gleaning from this is work-life balance is not going to look the same for everybody. You're absolutely correct. Nope, it will not. And here's the other thing, we're just coming off of a pandemic. So our lifestyles during the pandemic, when we're talking about work-life balance was totally different than what it is today. So now we actually have to reprogram our mind to say, okay, now I'm going to my place of employment and then I need to leave my place of employment and then start with my family. And also even in the morning, I start with my family, then I stop with my family and then go back to work and go from there. So yeah, I think it's, a, it's definitely individualized, but it also pivots quite frequently. And there are, frequently. yeah, there are some people that didn't after the pandemic, they still have days where they are home, working from home the whole day. You know, and that's something where you have to think about their work-life balance is all focused in the home so do they have a room where they designate that is where they do their work they're just juggling all day long all day long. yeah and i think that's the reason why this new top well it's not it's an old topic but it's been brought to a new uh, people are saying i just feel i feel i'm out of balance what do i do how do i actually do it um and i think that's the reason why we're probably talking about this today is because still people struggle with it I think of it this way, you know, if I'm going to be standing on one foot and I put my arms out to the side, straight out to the side and like make a letter T, you know, can I balance that? Most of us can't. So that's how work could be for you, but it also could be your life at home could be that way. 
So that's when sometimes I think it's really great to actually reach out for some professional advice. If it's reaching out to your health coach or talking with your primary care doctor to find out exactly what is the underlying condition of why I can't stay stable on one leg. And I, I agree. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's hard sometimes that you're home, you're playing with your phone, you're looking at, you know, social media or whatever. You can see a work email pop up. It's hard not to read it sometimes, you know, so it, it mixes. Yeah, but why are you even on your phone anyway at home watching and going through social media? Yeah, Rob, why are you on your phone? <laughs> I don't, I, well, first yeah, of Rob. all, I don't have social media. I was just using it as an uh, example. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But like, uh, like if I'm laying in bed, I'll scroll through the internet or whatever, you know, before I go to bed or, or wake up in the morning and look at it real quick. I love it. That's another topic of exactly getting prepped for sleep. And yeah. that is one of the things you don't do. If you oh. don't bring your phone, unless it's an emergency, you put it on your bedside, turn it upside down, and put it on vibrate. But no, you shouldn't actually even go through your phone at all and in bed. Right. Well, it's, I mean, it, it is a common thing that people do when this is the day and age of having so many things, so many ways to see what's going on in the outside world. And sometimes you feel like you're falling behind if you're not looking, if you're not checking these things. So it's a... A constant draw and I think that's exactly Rob you're right there's the looking at your phone seeing the email pop up even if you say right after dinner you do that quick look before you go to bed you know you take that look you see it and you go oh boy that's a really easy question for me to answer right now and then I won't have to do it tomorrow but you're at home so that's where sometimes you have to say yes it is an easy thing for me to do right now but take that time and remember it's you time. It's not work time. You're not being paid at home to answer those questions. And it is something you know it will be easy. Do it when you go into work. Take that time to instead go over and either get some dishes done or go talk to your kids or check in on your spouse's day. Do something like that that refocuses you on where you are as opposed to drawing you further into, well, I could just do this, kind of help. So, you know, if you know it's a, a temptation, you might want to take some steps to make it more difficult to access your work stuff from home. I agree. For those of us that can, why not put it in a different room? You know, why not take and exactly like Andrea said, put it down, turn it over, put it down and don't let yourself have the access because you know for anyone that is typically more of a type A, you're going to do it now because you can do it now. Why wait? Right. And I, don't, I just don't think it's fair to yourself or to your family if you're actually doing work when it's supposed to be their time, you know, or even your own time. This could be a time where, you know, you actually just relax or you go ahead and do your exercise. So if I'm already incorporating work at home, then I'm never going to be able to get to do the things that I want to do or that my family wants me to do with them. Well, that also brings us into just the fact that when you look at it this way, you're looking at your work-life balance where your life is right now. So when you're trying to add a lifestyle change, and this is what I hear most often is, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to do anything else. So if you were to take that five minutes, 10 minutes, it adds up over time, that time that you put towards work when maybe you could put that towards exercise or put that towards something else. That could be exactly when you take that time and say, I'm going to go get in a five minute walk. Okay. So uh, here's another question. So I, I go to work, not me, just an example, right? So I go to work, 
I work a 12 hour day. I'm outside all day long. I'm exhausted. I go home. I have no balance because all I do is want to sleep. And then I wake up and I go back to work for 12 hours. How do you balance that? Because you have no, for those people that work like that, there's no family interaction really besides, hey, I'm home. Hey, what's for dinner? Hey, good night. That is a wonderful. So that would be, can you add in something that's relaxing, calming? to do with your family, make it a plan that you do when you come home. So any of your nighttime tricks, you know, preparing dinner together, if that's something that you can do, setting the table together, something small. Right. You know, I don't even know for sure if that would consider to be out of balance because you're right, 12 hour day. And especially if you're working out in the heat or your job is really, really physical, by the time you get home, you are just exhausted. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely exhausted. One of the things I'd highly recommend is on your way home, I would definitely drink some water. And I drink, you know, a little bit cold, not, not freezing cold, but cold, just to give you a little bit of awakening. And maybe even have a little bit of energy food towards the end of your day, so you have a little bit more energy when you get home. That could be one thing. But the other one is, is that I think setting the stage to your family is that you guys, you know, mom or dad, I work really, really hard during the week for 12 hours. When I come home, I would like to just visit, have dinner, and then I'm just going to rest for the rest of the evening. Let's spend our time on the weekend. We're going to spend more time on Saturday and Sunday, and I'll keep work, you know, at an arm distance away or not even have work at all. Then you supply that whole balance during the weekend. So that could be something that I totally understand. I mean, there's a lot of people that do a lot of physical work, even mental is, is definitely physical as well. Um, and they're just exhausted. So I think just being honest with the family upfront of what I can do and what I can't do is definitely. If they know what to expect, they'll probably yeah, be more absolutely. accepting of it. Exactly. And you might even find out that if you just tweak things like adding a little bit more hydration, doing some energy foods, you know, like say for instance, your last break of the day, or maybe even on your way home, how much a little bit of a boost of energy you actually have when you do get home. The other one is a lot of people they kind of strip down and they jump in the shower. They might actually take a quick, like a cool shower first. And that's another sign of awakening. If you put, let's say for instance, citrus, um, lemon, lime, those types of things in it, or even let's say for instance, mint, it also is a form of awakening. And then it gives you at least about another hour that you have enough energy to be able to do something that you want to do with family. Now, Andrea, you threw energy food in there twice. Yep. And that seems to be quite a buzzword because I saw some eyes light up on that. So I'd love you to give us just two examples of some energy foods that you think would be helpful in the evening. A cutie, a little clementine or a cutie. Love those things. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing because here's the thing. You get two, two bangs for your buck. You get the aromatherapy of the citrus. So save the peeling and don't wash your hands immediately because every time you bring your hands up to your face, you're getting that scent of actually of awakening. Then the orange, as soon as it hits the saliva glands in your mouth, it automatically hits the bloodstream and it gives you the zing. It gives you that energy. And it really is only like one little clementine can actually do it. So that could be one. The other one is, this, let's say, for instance, if this person um, takes an afternoon break, you might want to add even things, let's say, for instance, of high, higher vegetable base, not something that has a lot of meat because meat takes a longer time to digest and it actually tires you out. Mm -hmm. It drains you. So have more of a vegetable-based snack um, or maybe even a lunch. And then, then that way you don't have to worry about the That's our siestas right there, Rob, when we do our grilling yeah. on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's why we're tired. Yeah, I like probably. That. Yeah. So what are some things that we can look out for to know that our work-life balance is off? Because we're all busy and we're all stressed. And 
So what are some red flags that we might want to look for to say, hey, I might need to take a look at my life, evaluate some things, and maybe reach out for some help? Checking your emails at home. There you go. <laughs> I would, you know, number one, I think that your body gives you signals all the time that there's something going on. And we just happen to, we fail to actually listen to it. Let's say, for instance, we're starting to get the dark circles underneath our eyes. We have inflammation has increased. We have a little bit of digestive issues. All of those are signs and symptoms that your body is telling you, whoa, something's happening here. You might want to get yourself in a What about unable to fall asleep because you're thinking about work? Oh, that one's easy. Yeah. That one's really, yeah. really good. Number one is that you want to put like a notepad or some type of scratch paper by your bed. And the things that you're worried about, you just write it down. And it could be like an acronym. So let's say, for instance, that you forgot to tell an employee something. You know, you might want to acronym that out. So then that way, the first thing when you wake up, you already have it. And then your brain can finally let it go because you've taken an action to it. But if you don't take an action to it, then you're going to constantly be recalling and recalling. But let's say, for instance, you go to bed and you can't fall asleep. You just can't do it. You need to get up. You need to get up and go do something that would be classified as mindless. Um, I get up maybe and start a little laundry. Um, maybe I'll empty out the dishwasher from the night before. Uh, I do something just for about 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, and then go back to bed. You're not the one out there mowing the lawn at midnight, are you? <laughs> no, I, have, I, I live in the desert. I don't have a lawn. It's the weed whacker. So, exactly. yeah. She's got the weed whacker out. It's the rock pole, digging up rocks and moving it out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a big thing going around in any of those little tasks that you typically don't do during the day that are small, that you're like, I'll get that when I do the big clean of the house, you know, going through and dusting. You could just pick one room and dust, and that would be a quiet so that you're not disrupting the family if you're not the one sleeping. You know, a quiet activity to get something done, you get in that movement. And then it's one more check off your list. Right. Do not turn on the TV and do not get on your phone, but you can listen to music that's instrumental. You don't want anything that has words or you don't want the lighting to affect you either. So that bright light will actually cause a more of an awakening. Um, so if I'm watching TV or the change in it or the tone of voices, or by the time when you get ready to go to bed and you've heard something or you've read something, it'll stick within your mind again. So Highly recommended to not do the TV in your bedroom or to go watch TV if you can. It's just something really, really mindless. I like to get up and make some chamomile tea. And what I found is I'll get up, I'll boil the water, I'll brew the tea. I don't even need to drink it. By the time it's cool enough to drink, you're ready to go back to bed. I'm ready to go back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> it's magic. Yeah. What and actually, nice though, that. the chamomile tea would be nice to just bring it to your bedside, put it at your bedside, because then the aroma of the chamomile is also for relaxation. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely don't do tea tree anywhere around you when you're sleepy, because that is such an energizer. Oh, is man. It really? Yeah. Oh, that I, gets I love me. that tea tree shampoo. Oh, me too. That scalp tingle. Yeah. Yep. That's one of my favorites. Not before bed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not before bed. Not before bed. <laughs> but that goes back to the, if you're taking a quick shower when you come home from your 12-hour day, maybe that's something that you look at that might give you that little boost. Right. And, you know, the other one is, is when you ask, you know, how do I know if I'm out of balance? You know, your family, if you have a significant other, lover, or partner, or the kids, they will tell you. They'll tell you right out, like, why are you so crabby? Or why can't like, you just do that? I'm or not. Whatever. And they're like, yeah, yes, mom, yeah, you yeah, are. Yes, you are. Yeah. Can you tell I've had this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> so now what I'd like to do is maybe discuss some tips to help people maintain a better 
balance keep it from getting out of control? So the tips, I mean, obviously we're all going to be looking at this differently because we have different lifestyles when we go home, when we're at work. But I do know, I brought up before the having a separate room. And I have a room of the house that is my office. And that is where when I get home with all those bags that you may be seeing me carrying around during the day, they all go there. They're not out in the living room where I'm going to look at them and think, oh, but I could do this right now. They're not out on my coffee table where I can flip open that computer and do a quick few more emails. They go into that room and the door gets shut. This helps to make sure, A, that my dog isn't going to all of a sudden decide that she wants to check in on my work and then the dog ate my homework, you know, and it also makes it so that I am able to, when I'm home, focus on all the different tasks that I would like to do while I'm home rather than thinking about the things that I needed to do during the day. For me, it's, uh, I talked about this before, as soon as I walk in the door, I get out of my work clothes. Wonderful. And that's, that's my transition. I'm at work and I'm home, I'm usually shorts and a t-shirt and that's it that's awesome yeah i think it's great that you have already set up a routine and i think that's really what you need to do first is to try to figure out what's going to be your best transition from work and home or home from work um but the other one is is that we also have to remember that you know if we're needing more energy at the end of the day it's great to actually get a workout in before you go home unless your workout gym is at home. And if that's the case, then you would strip down your clothes, get on your workout clothes, go do your little bit of a workout and then change out of that and then go in and, and do it. But you can also incorporate your family as well. You know, they can always work out, you know, with you. Take a Absolutely. walk. Well, not right now because it's hotter in Hades. But. It's gotten warm. Swamp coolers. They're amazing. I don't know if you guys. Uh, wait till monsoons. I was going to say wait till monsoons. See, we, we have the the garage gym set up. So exactly when we get home, we have the ability to go and work out in there, which is wonderful, except for when it's hot. And then you do have those few hours where you're waiting for it to cool down a bit before you step in there. So being productive with those hours, making sure you're not saying, well, since I have a few hours, I can do some more work before I'm technically on to my next thing. Pick something else. And that's kind of cool because it does give you the, oh boy, what do I do now? while I wait for the 120 degree garage to maybe cool off. <laughs> so I it guess your time. first tip would be then transitioning. Transition. Something to transition yeah. from work to home or from home to work. Right. What's so, your transition? My, I'm just like, um, Rob, I strip out of my work clothes. I put on my PJs. I put on my slippers. And then that's what I do. Plus, I love to cook. I love it. That's my de-stressor. So I'll, even though I maybe have prepped over in the weekend, I will actually cook for a while, usually about an hour. And we might not even eat it because it might be too late to still eat, but I'll still cook. Did you bring I, sample? No, I did not. Excuse oh, me. No, man. I did not. But I'll definitely bring some next time. Well, that does bring us to the fact that when you travel, do you have a different de-stressor? Because I know you coming out here to visit with us today, you know, is there something that you do when you are on the road that helps you with that transition because you're on the road for work? Yes. First thing is I crank up the AC because my husband doesn't like a really, really cold room. And I love a cold room. <laughs> the other one is I love pillows. My husband doesn't love pillows. So I make myself like a little den in the bed. I have the whole bed to myself. Build I build a fort. Absolutely. Because we're adults. Absolutely. That's right. So. That's right. <laughs> and then too. I'm going to just, you know, again, just 
get everything out of my brain, I might turn on the TV just for a little bit in my little den and, and just enjoy. So that's how I normally do this. this. I take advantage of the things that I don't actually have at home or get to do at home. I do it when I'm actually on the road. Oh, that's wonderful. Kara, what's yours? A lot of mine, and this works, you know, going to work and going home is music in the car. Oh, and so it can, it can do yeah. a lot to, you know, if I've had a stressful day and I feel like I'm in kind of a cranky mood and I don't want to take that home with me, put on some music, especially something that I can sing badly along to. Karaoke in the car. car karaoke, <laughs> absolutely. And it can work in the morning too, to kind of like get myself like ready for work, something upbeat. and, and So in the morning, do you listen to like talk radio and in the afternoon, just music? I actually kind of hate talk radio. Oh, I know. Okay. I know. Ah! I like oh! Except for the Get Well podcast through City of Yuma. I love podcasts, but I feel like talk radio is kind of annoying. No, I just love music and all different kinds. So it just depends. Um, Going home from work, it might be something relaxing like classical music. And coming in is probably going to be something more upbeat. Hard rock. Yeah, Hard rock. It could be dance music. Next time you see her driving, you're going to know, know what's going right. on. Hey, you see me dancing in my car, the bass is bumping. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. I have a client um, that I have to do their quote, like safety and construction meeting in the morning. It's really, really early. So it's at six o'clock in the morning. So I normally start off their meeting with a little ACDC. Um, oh, right, yeah. Hell's yes. Bells, yes. and yeah. it does, or, or get something to get them going because if not, they're just like bobbing for apples still. Yeah, you gotta set the mood, right? Exactly. So, music is a great tool, it's a great tool, and I think it's also fun if you're at home having music on and instead of actually having the TV on, play music, you know. And then if you have kids, the kids get involved and then they can play their favorite song, or so yeah, we use our um. That Lexus a lot, so we'll say, okay, play a shuffle of so and so. Oh yeah, so, yeah. That's such a smart move, and that's one place where technology can really help you de-stress and help you with all of your transitions. Because you walk in and you say that, and it starts it for you, so you already know, okay, one less thing I have to do, and one thing that's pointing me in the right direction. Yep. That's so nice. So we've got music, we've got cooking, we've got changing changing out of what you are wearing and having that transition all of those are helpful tips but if at any point you guys think you have something that would more be more helpful something that you do that you like that's a transition let me know send me an email you know that's something that's going to be helpful for everyone if it's something that works for you and also if you have any concerns about your work life balance feel free to reach out to coach stephanie um, you can always email her or just, you know, say, hey, when she's walking by. And you're going to want to keep an eye out for an upcoming webinar, the Ultimate Balancing Act. That's going to be coming up in August. You're not going to want to miss it. So be sure to keep an eye out for that email when we send out our um, the newsletter. The newsletter, thank yeah. you. And be sure to register for that. It's going to be a good one. Great. That's going to be so much fun. All right, now we're on to Ask the Health Coach. Today we have two questions that our health coaches thought would be um, excellent to answer on our podcast. So we're going to start with our question from Letty. Hi, this is Letty. Summers in Yuma consist of lots of fun in this hot sun with barbecues and cold sweet treats. People always say you burn more calories being in the sun, which I believe has more to do with being active and not so much due to being in the heat. Is there some truth to that? And if so, 
in addition to it, is there a balance of being safe and healthy in the sun when it comes to exercise and food? Thank you so much, Letty, for sending in this question. This is great. And I know that being relatively new to Yuma, I did not realize just how intense this heat was going to be. The summers are definitely something you have it's to prepare for. Started. I know. I moved in in the summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to see the best of it. And let's say hydration, hydration, hydration. Oh, that's key for sure. That is huge. If you're able to stay out of the wait, sun. Wait. Clarify, type of hydration. Oh, that water. That good old-fashioned H2O. We need water. That's going to be the big thing that you're looking at because your goal is to replenish your stores, not to increase your calorie content or your sugars throughout the day. If you're drinking enough water, if you're always going with something that's mixed with sugar or something along those lines, that's going to increase your calorie content and it's going to spike you know, look at way too many sugars included into your system if you're drinking enough water. Right. I think, Letty, your question is amazing. And there's a couple big points in here that I think that we need to make is that when you're talking about that the sun, when you're in the sun, that you're burning more calories. Well, yes and no. What happens is because you sweat more, you're deplenishing your water source in your body. So, but, so you won't, you would actually weigh less if you went into the house. But as soon as you replenish what you've lost, your weight would definitely come back up. But you don't really burn any more additional calories just from being in the sun. You are also right about saying the activity that you're currently doing. That's because you're more active, maybe outside if you're playing a certain game or you're dancing or whatever it is at your parties, then yeah, maybe you might be, but normally not. What do you think? I, I would agree. I mean, people talk about water weight all the time. And that's a way that fighters and, you know, you've got those groups that look at cutting weight. It's cutting weight. It's not actual weight loss. You know, it's a one time, once you rehydrate, then that's where it's all coming back on you, right? But it is your system has to work harder. When you decrease the water that your body needs to function properly, you're making it so that your digestive system has to work harder. You're making it so that your nervous system has to work harder. You're causing issues as opposed to doing anything positive with that weight loss. Actually, I totally agree. And then when you're talking about exercising in the summer um, and you're talking about barbecues and events, I would make sure that you get your exercise in in the morning because in the afternoon when you actually have your events, you can actually kind of be a little bit more free, you know, maybe have that extra little sweet treat that you were talking about because you've already done your exercise. I would definitely get your exercise done early in the day. If you have a big event that afternoon or that evening. And then the other one is in the heat. If you're going to be working outside, then that way you're actually protected, but you can also go to the gym early as well. What about diet? Um, What what kind of food would be best for working outside? You know, you're going to work outside in the heat and the, in the extreme temperatures. What kind of diet is best for that? Well, normally it's fruits and vegetables. Um, And the reason why is because they're primarily made up of water. So, but we just have to be careful with our fruits because that is added sugar. So maybe limit yourself no more than three fruits. Maybe it's two to three fruits a day when you're going to be out, but really it's vegetables. Let's say, for instance, if you're doing, you know, celery has tons, cucumber Cucumber. has tons of water. Um, And, you know, the other thing that I have a lot of people that I work with is, during this time of the year, grapes are really, really inexpensive. Now they do have quite a bit of sugar, but what I have them do is freeze it and use those as their ice cubes. 
So it's kind of flavoring their water. They don't actually have to eat the grapes, but it at least gives a little bit of flavor, but they're also frozen. So if you wanted to have a nice little treat at the same time. So fruits and vegetables are your best bet. I, I drink my grapes. You drink your grapes? Oh, <laughs> I get it. Are I they aged right, grapes? Right, right. Uh, that's oh, that's so another way. <laughs> but we also have, you know, we're talking about the hydration and everything, but you did bring up sun safety. You know, and that's going to be huge is when you not only is it the the safety of staying hydrated and making sure that you're maintaining, you know, your electrolyte balance there, but you're also looking at how's your skin doing? Skin protection. Skin protection. And hey, guess what? This month we have our skin protection webinar coming up. So absolutely keep an eye out for that link. And you're going to want to register for that one too. And that we're going to go through a lot of exactly, Rob, when you were bringing up the foods, we talk about the foods that are helpful. We talk about the clothing, the attire to help make sure that you're staying safe in the sun because it's wonderful to get out with your family, go out for hikes. You know, the timing is important. What you wear is important. And what you eat before and after is very important to make sure that you're keeping yourself safe and you're keeping those around you safe. So that's wonderful to have that in there. And our next question is from our very own Rob. Take it away, Rob. So are the old BMI charts, BMI charts commonly used in doctor's offices uh, outdated for measuring if I'm considered healthy or overweight? You know, I love this because I just actually had a little bit of a disagreement with my orthopedic surgeon's office because on my chart, it said that I was obese. And I'm like, what? There's no way. I know. I'm like, what? And so it was based off of my BMI. But my BMI was only over by one-tenth of a percent because the goal is to be below 25. Now, that's actually for supposedly for men and women. So anybody that's over 25, and for those that don't know what BMI is, but BMI is body mass index, and it's a height and weight ratio. So long, 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 long time ago, many, many moons ago, they were actually set up a standard to, to say if you're at a healthy weight or not. And so they came up with this formula for the height and weight ratio. Right. And on that, they don't say healthy. They say normal. Normal. Right. Um, so with that, what happened was, and this probably happened about three years ago, you know, let's say for instance, athletes especially were like, this is ridiculous. We should not be rated based on a BMI because pretty much any athlete is going to always be obese or extreme obese. Right, right that muscle mass right there. It oh, it packs, it, packs yep, a punch. Yep. So what they decided to do, and this is the um, National Health, um, and what they said is that it's actually really for bone health. Because when you were born and as you grew, your bones could only support a certain amount of weight before it becomes diseased. So arthritis, osteoporosis, degeneration of the bone, and that's where they're saying that you would be more protected of the bone if you weighed within this range and keeping your weight at our BMI below 25. So that's really where it's used. But again, let's go back to that athlete. And that athlete has lots and lots of muscle mass and their body composition, which is body fat, is low, but their BMI is high. Now that bone has health. It has support by the muscle. So it's going to come in when the bone can't support anymore. The muscle is going to say, wait a minute, I will form. I'll help you and I'll get you to where you actually need to go. So 
I would really look at two things and your health coach can, can help you with this is that they can actually take your body composition. And again, it is an estimate and has an error of margin by 3%, but still it gives you some baseline data. Then they can look at your BMI. They can look at exactly where your weight is distributed. And then that way she could actually map out a plan for you to make sure that you're going to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Right. I love the, the look when you said, look, look at where the weight is held, because that's huge. You can look in a mirror and see changes occurring that your BMI may not correspond with, you know? So that's huge is knowing physically what is happening and then also looking at the numbers. Yep, exactly. I used to tell my clients a lot of time that if you really want to know where your fat is, you know, get naked, stand in front of a full length mirror, jump up and down. Anything that moves is fat. <laughs> Sounds very Do we have any other questions so, there? <laughs> well, okay, so is there a push for all those old school family doctors that still use this chart to get educated? You know what? Unfortunately, there's not. You know, unless, let's say, for instance, they have someone that comes into their office, they're sharing it. Maybe it's a new nurse practitioner that has a little bit of a more updated education. You have to remember, most family practice doctors only require to take two nutrition classes throughout their whole school and usually only about one exercise science class. That's it. So all of these tools and resources are given to them as a guide. So, um, so yeah, you can have that conversation as well, being educated on actual health and wellness and say, you know, hey, doc, I think you might want to remove this or let's get some updated. But the chart has not changed in many, it hasn't ever changed be quite honest, except for now the new guidelines of, is it bone safe or is it bone unhealthy? Right. Good to know. Right. And I do know they, your doctors will, if you have an athletic build say, oh, your BMI may be high, but it's because you're athletic. So I know if you look at any of the different um, charts that you're going through, if you put your food in on a food log, you have that option of choosing, do you have an active lifestyle? Do you have a sedentary lifestyle? You have all those different options. And I think that's really where they're trying to put that information in now. So yes, it is accounted for in there, but you don't see it when you look at the numbers. So that can be a little bit frustrating. So it is time to take that step back and look at, okay, in the mirror, I know we said that, where am I at? Right, right. You know what? I think really they, they just have to have some type of a tool to say, because there, you know, there are some, let's say, for instance, my husband goes in and he carries a little bit too much adipose tissue around his middle. Um, and sometimes he's in a bit of denial. So it's one way. We are. Uh, <laughs> it's one way the doctor can express that, hey, you know, Andrea's husband, you need to drop some pounds. So, so we all, yeah. look in the mirror. <laughs> so, so just know that that's, it's just a tool for them. But sometimes we also have to be very honest with ourselves is that, yes, you're right. I could lose a couple of extra pounds. Right. So. Right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Robin Letty, for submitting questions. And as a thank you, Letty will receive our wonderful Employee Wellness Center gym towel. If you'd like to send in a question for us to answer in our Ask the Health Coach segment, please email it to Coach Stephanie or coywellness at yumaaz.gov. Thank you for listening. If you're looking to get more involved in employee wellness, please check out our SharePoint site. 
You can find the link on the employee bulletin board or in the weekly wellness email. Oh, thank you.